Well, uh, for those of you who don't know us, we are Brad and Katie Brady, and we've been attending here, been part of this community here at West Bowles since uh, 1991. Uh, we also have two college-age daughters, uh, Christy and Courtney, right over here. And, you know, our kids kind of grew up here at the church, and I guess for that matter, uh, Katie and I kind of grew up here as well. But uh, we're delighted and humbled and a little bit nervous, but uh, to have been asked by the staff to kind of bring this summer psalm series uh, to a close by sharing how the psalms have influenced our everyday life. Well, we are blessed to be here today. We're so thankful to be among friends and our family in Christ. And, you know, it's hard for me to believe that it really has been almost 16 years since we started coming to church I remember the first day that we visited, just like it was yesterday. I mean, we walked up to that little building next door, which is now the youth building, and Pastor George was out there meeting and greeting people, and we made our way over to introduce ourselves to him. And um, right after we did, we, we knew we were in a special place because here's the pastor who's preaching that day. He got down on his knees on the concrete in his preaching pants and just so that he could see our little three- and five-year-old girls face-to-face. He wanted to meet them, and um, he got right down there, and it was just a precious moment. And that was just one of many, many, many blessings that we've received here at West Bowles over the years. And needless to say, we're so thankful that he brought us here that day, and we're even more thankful that he's allowed us to stay a part of this family all these years. Well, I have a little confession that I need to make before we get started. Um, When we were first asked to speak this morning, I have to admit to you that I was a little bit overwhelmed, and this was so far out of my comfort zone that I thought, there's no way I can do this. I wasn't too worried about Brad, but, um, (laughs) you know, and I kind of like, you know, why don't you just take it on? But, um, you know, I'm kind of sorry that I reacted that way because I started to pray about this, and immediately I was just overwhelmed with thankfulness in my heart for all that God has done for us. And um, especially through the Psalms. And so I thought to myself, how could I not get up and give thanks to God for what he's done? And um, there's a song on the radio right now that says, how can I keep from singing his praise? And that's my feeling exactly. So by his grace and mercy, we're here today. Well, let's take a little time to review. You know, we took a break from the uh, book of Acts, the series we were going through. And for the last four weeks, we've really delved into this book of Psalms. And Todd opened the study and asked others of us to come share what was on our hearts concerning the Psalms. And Todd introduced the uh, subject matter. He gave us some background information on the Psalms. And really, we find these are a fascinating collection of 150 prayers and praises of God's people. And these were kind of collected over the centuries, over time in the life of Israel. And many were set to... uh, music for temple worship. I mean, like Pastor George just said, we just sung one. Psalm 121, I believe, is what we just sung. But uh, the most common author of the book of Psalms is those that say of David. Uh, David gets credit for writing about 73 of the 150 Psalms. Other, uh, the next most common uh, authorship is Asaph and the sons of Korah. Now, these guys were the music directors in, in their day, back in the temple days. They were like the Craig Nasons, the Steve Burns of their day. But this book really has been loved for thousands of years because of its openness, its honesty, and its thoroughness. And for literally thousands of years, God's people, Jews and Christians alike, have turned to this book of Psalms because its writers give voice to what it means to be a human in this fallen world, human beings in a fallen world. 
You know, the Psalms have a real feel to them. These are the praises, the prayers, the cries of cries of real people. People like uh, you and I who don't always have it all together. Well, I shouldn't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. People like me that don't have it, always have it all together, don't always understand what's going on. And I suppose that's why the Psalms have been so relevant and that uh, relevant to God's people who for thousands of years have been trying to cope with you know, the struggles we face in life, what this world throws at us. We learn that there are different types of psalms. There are psalms of praises. There are psalms that cry out in longing to God. There are psalms that form our prayers to God. There are psalms of complaint even to God. There are psalms that uh, approach God when we've done something wrong. Uh, there are psalms that comfort us when life gets tough. And Todd asked others to share what was on their hearts concerning particular songs. So over the past three weeks, we've heard some incredible teaching. Dave Beatty, Pastor Dave Beatty, started it all off. He, he brought us through Psalm 73. It's a complaint psalm. It's a psalm that says, hey, God, life's not fair. And Dave did a masterful job leading us through, through this psalm that, as so many of the psalms do, they start off with complaints or grief and then end with thanksgiving and praise. It's kind of a theme that runs all the way through the book of Psalms. And it really is a theme that runs through our lives, too. Then Craig Nason, our music director, got up and talked about Psalm 44. This is a communal uh, complaint or lament. Uh, he talked a lot about community, what it means to be part of this community here at West Bowles. And he talked about sometimes there's a tension between being a human being and, and God and how God can even meet us in that tension. And then, of course, we had Pastor George last week who gave us the cutting-edge teaching from uh, Psalm 127 that said, if, unless the Lord builds the house, all of us labor in vain. So today, Katie and I, of course, we're not pastors, we're not theologians, but uh, you know what we thought we'd do is like any good Bible study or lesson plan, you know, you have the great teaching, the really meat, insight teaching of the Word and then any good uh, lesson ends with application, how what we've learned applies to real life. So that's what Katie and I hope to share today is how this book of Psalms has influenced our lives. And we picked uh, Psalm 51 verses 10 through 12. It's kind of a theme that sums up what the Psalms mean to us. It seems to be our shared cry when we when we so often turn to the book of Psalms. It's on the front of your bulletins. It's up on the screen. And what I'd like to do right now is let's all stand together and recite this. Make it a cry from your own hearts. I have you recite it because you use a different part of your brain when you uh, when you speak it. So let's do this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Will you please pray with us? Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of coming together and worshiping you, Father God, and fellowshipping with one another in this special body. And most of all, Lord, seeking you deeper through your precious word, which is life and truth. Father God, I pray that as we um, just quiet our hearts before you now, that you would speak to us. Draw us closer to you, Lord God, through everything that you have to say, and may all that we have to say be honoring and glorifying to you, Lord God. We ask these things through the power of your Holy Spirit and your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. 
You may be seated. Well, as Brad has already said, today we'd like to share with you uh, just some of the ways that the Psalms have influenced our lives. And the first one we'd like to touch on is in our preparation for praise and worship. And I would have to say that considering how much time I've spent in the book of Psalms, it probably is one of my very favorite places to go in Scripture. Several years ago, actually, I started focusing on the Psalms um, on Sunday mornings during my devotional time before I would come to church, especially the praise passages, so that I could kind of begin to focus on the Lord and sort of set my heart to praise, so to speak. And one of the favorite psalms that I have to do this is Psalm 92. And it's even designated in my Bible as for the Sabbath day. Verses 1 through 4 say, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. You know, I think it's so important that we come in here on Sunday mornings prepared to worship. As God's people, as followers of Christ, you know, we're called to worship Him. And worship is such an essential part of we, what we get to do together as a body, as kind of a family of faith, as a community, as Craig would say. You know, what we tend to do at church here is your family comes into the church and we break everybody apart. Right? We send the kids in one direction, the adults go another direction. And we do that on purpose. I mean, we like to break into smaller groups so we can hang out and visit, have a little fun, and, and learn a lesson. But when we come in here, in God's sanctuary, that's the time we all come together, young and old, with the purpose of worshiping God. All, we do this all together. It's so important and it can be so powerful. So let me ask you, how many of you got ready to worship today? How many of us really prepared to come to this worship service? Look around here, some of you are looking pretty good, okay? But others could use a little work. You know, it's kind of like getting ready for football season, right? Are you ready for some football? The Broncos are in training camp right now, right? So I get the morning paper, I'm tearing through the sports pages, looking at all the reports from training camp. I watch the news at night, see the sports reports. Uh, I kind of hang on every word that Mike Shanahan says, right? We kind of get prepared for the football season. Well, in kind of the same way, you and I should be prepared and ready for worship when we come in here on Sunday mornings. Worship, it's, uh, it's more of a verb than it is a noun. Worship is something we do together. It's something we co-create on Sunday mornings. It's more than being like the 12th man at a football game. We actually have participation in the worship. It's not all just about the pastor and the music and this and that. We are part of the worship experience. So one of the things that would be helpful is next Sunday, why don't we do this? Let's spend some time getting ready to come in here on Sunday mornings. I suggest that you go read a psalm on Sunday mornings. You know, Pastor George... uh, Taught us a long time ago we should read a psalm every day. Well, next week, read a psalm before you come to church. And then spend a little time in prayer. Pray for the pastor. Pray for his message. Uh, Pray for your friends, your brothers and sisters who you're going to be with today. Uh, Pray for the music, the musicians, the singers. Uh, Pray for those who will be teaching downstairs. And above all, pray for God's presence to be here with us in worship on Sunday morning. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes in in the worship service. 
We really get out of this what we bring to it. Not only have the Psalms helped us prepare for worship, but the second thing they've done, they're also part of our worship experience. The Psalms have impressed God's word on our hearts through music. I mentioned before that many of the Psalms have been set to music and they were used as worship songs in the temple and at other times. Pastor George, when he was sharing about uh, Psalm 127, he said it was entitled uh, A Song of Ascents. And people would actually sing or hum that song as they ascended up onto the hill where Jerusalem was. When they went up there for the various feasts and celebrations, they might sing a psalm like 127 or hum it as they went along. Well, you know, if there was a Time Life collection of the psalms, they'd have to probably call it the 150 greatest songs of all time, right? But they're known not so much for the melody. As a matter of fact, we have no idea how these psalms really sounded back in those days, but it's because of the lyrics. These are God-inspired lyrics. And just like, uh, if you're like me, I grew up in the 70s, right? So when I'm driving along the road and I hear on the radio, I hear uh, the Eagles or uh, James Taylor or Jim Croce. You know, if I hear one of their songs come on, I pretty much know all the words by heart, right? We can remember the words because of the music. Not only that, it brings back memories. It brings back images. It brings back emotions. It brings back feelings. Nothing more than feelings. See what I mean? Now that's going to stick with you the rest of the day. But all those kind of things come flooding back to you. And I think it's the same with these great hymns of faith. They can really impress God's word right on our hearts. You know, Brad and I both share a love of music, and that's probably just one of the reasons why we both enjoy the psalm so much. Many of them have been arranged for our contemporary worship as well, like the one that we sang together this morning. Um, In fact, I think you might be surprised to learn just how many of the songs we sing here are based on the psalms. I know I was. Um, We thought it might be kind of interesting to see just how many of the psalms we have sung as part of our choir and worship here. So um, we started leafing through the psalms the other day and just came up with a few examples. There are so many, but here are just a few of what we've done together here at West Bowles. From Psalm 8, it's a worship tune. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And a beautiful choir anthem that we've done from the same psalm called The Majesty and Glory of Your Name. From Psalm 20, another choir anthem, We Trust in the Name of the Lord Our God. Then Psalm 24, a worship song, Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. From Psalm 26, one of my personal favorite choir anthems called Where Your Glory Dwells. It's based on verse 8 that says, I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. From Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And of course, Psalm 40, which we're pretty familiar with. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He put a new song in my mouth. Well, one of the best ways that uh, we can memorize scripture is by learning it through singing. And uh, parents know that this is true for little kids, but it's also true for us as adults, I think. And you'll have to forgive me. This is like the perfect opportunity to do a little plug for the choir. But if you're still looking for a good reason to join the choir, um, this truly is one of the best ways to impress God's word on your heart. You know, I believe uh, these great hymns of faith have really worked to protect the church through the centuries because they're so grounded in the core theology of our faith. Uh, Whenever a church gets off track, maybe loses focus, Maybe a church gets into some wacky beliefs. I believe these hymns are there to protect us 
and restore that church. It's true now. It was true back then. We've got a great opportunity coming up. We're going to have a concert of great hymns here at the church. I think that was October 7th. But it's a great time. It's like rebooting your computer, you know? When it's all messed up, you have to reboot it. Sometimes we need these great hymns of faith can actually work to reboot us in that core theology. Well, besides the influence that the Psalms have had on us through music, we were discussing how much our prayer lives have changed through spending time in these passages. I know that I am personally growing to understand better how to pray and how to approach God through the example of these words. You know, when I was growing up, uh, most of the prayers I prayed were by rote. And by that I mean they were memorized and just recited over and over again. And while I understood that they had a deep meaning, they just never felt very personal to me. Next to the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us, the Psalms are teaching me how to be more open and more honest before God and to express my whole heart, whether I'm experiencing joy or thanksgiving or a time of heartache. I'm just really learning to communicate more openly with God about those things. Yeah, I think it was Pastor George that told me a long time ago, if you want to learn to pray, uh, pray through the Psalms. You know, sometimes people kind of have the wrong idea about prayer, especially those that might be new to the faith. They have the wrong ideas. They think that your life has to be just right, uh, all lined up, have it all together before you can approach God. And then they think that you have to use a special kind of uh, holy language to, uh, to talk to God. But the thing about the Psalms is they kind of dispel all these uh, misconceptions. You see, the Psalms aren't just nice prayers uttered by nice people in a holy and righteous uh, language. Now, these are the cries of real people with real problems. They don't always have it together. And they can lay it out before God. Even the language that was used, the Hebrew language, is, is not a genteel or a, a, a polished language. It was, uh, it was kind of rough, kind of earthy. Maybe not what you'd hear on a construction site, but, but it was real, not phony, not pretentious in any way. And that's why the Psalms can be a great tool in teaching people how to pray. They teach us that you can be yourself. You can be honest. If you're upset and angry, you can tell God about it. I mean, no temper tantrums. This is, this is a holy God we're talking about. But, but you can come to Him and lay out what's bugging you, what's hurting you. What's in your way? You can tell him all these things. And as we see in the Psalms, he responds. Why? Because he cares about us. And he has a plan for us. Well, the next way that we'd like to look at how the Psalms have influence in our lives is in healing, renewal, and restoration. The Psalms have touched me personally in so many different circumstances, and they've done different things for me. They've comforted me at times. They've brought me peace. They've brought me encouragement. But most of all, I feel like they've really ministered to me. And I looked up the word minister in the dictionary, and it said this, to provide for the wants or needs of someone, to be helpful or useful, and to administer or apply medicine to. This is exactly the way the Word of God, and in this case, the Book of Psalms, can impact us. I know they've been a part of everything from helping calm my fear of flying, I'm not kidding, (laughs) to helping me sleep better at night, And Brad travels a lot with business, and so especially when the kids were little, Psalm 4, verse 8, became a favorite passage of mine. It says, I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. 
And another example, um, this past year one morning, I was dealing with some difficult health issues and I was in the grocery store and not feeling very well and I was waiting for a prescription. And so I wandered over to the book section and found this little book by Max Lucado based on Psalm 23 right there in King Supers. And here was a psalm that I've been so familiar with all my life, but um, because of the circumstances that I was in and the timing, God used it to minister to me in a new way that morning, especially through verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. That part about him restoring our souls... uh... The Psalms really have a way of restoring us uh, because they're so grounded in the core theology we have as God's people. I told you that. And you read through the Psalms and they're all rooted in the core belief that that at the center of everything, at the center of all creation, the entire universe, the heavenly realms, the earthly realms, at the center of it all is our God, Yahweh. He's over this whole creation. He's the one to whom all things are subject. He created it. He ordered it. And he sustains it and keeps it in the palm of his hand. All creation. That's a theme that runs through the Psalms. Not only that, he designed all creation with a divine purpose. All creation is governed by his hand. All nature, all history has but one God, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth says Psalm 8. Well, that's the core theology that the Psalms are grounded in. So restoration, it's one of the ways the Psalms work in our lives. They restore us. They work through grief and sorrow and they bring us back to thanksgiving and praise. Now, Katie and I have, uh, we've experienced firsthand just how God can minister to us through times of loss, uh, sorrow and, and struggle. And that's our fifth point here is one of the ways the, the ways the Psalms have influenced our lives are in times of trouble. Now, the last couple of years have been especially challenging for us. Uh, no different than you all go through, too. I mean, God never promised us a life full of a bowl full of cherries, that life would be like a bowl full of cherries. It's, it's full of struggles. The world throws its weight at you. But I'll let you I'll let Katie share with you how the Psalms ministered to her and how God got her through all the challenges we faced. Well, as Brad said, this has been a particularly difficult past couple of years for us. But, um, and I just want to take a moment right now, both of us, I think, would like to say thank you to all of you. So many of you have prayed for us and just come alongside us during some difficult times. And um, we can't ever tell you how grateful we are for your, um, just the way that you have ministered to us. So thank you so much for that. Um, And rather than focus on those circumstances, though, we we really want to focus on God's goodness and his provision and his faithfulness during these times. Just like the psalmist did, we want to offer praise to God for sustaining us and keeping us close to him, because he has. Uh, There is one experience that I'd like to share with you that, um, you know, at first I actually thought might be too personal to share, um, because it was just something that God did to minister to me personally, but then I realized we have a deeply personal God who wants to minister to each and every one of us in the same way. So I would like to share. Um, About two years ago, the night that we learned of my brother Michael's death, I was really despairing and just crying out to God for comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, We do not grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. 
And I want you to know that I believe this with my whole heart. I knew that my brother was with the Lord, and that alone brought me great comfort. But I still felt as if my heart was just broken, and I desperately needed to feel God's presence. Sorry. That night I was just weeping and and pouring over the Bible and trying to find something there that would console me. One of the most precious promises of God that I have found in Scripture is from Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14. They say, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Well, I was seeking God with my whole heart that night, and it was through Psalm 18 that God chose to minister to me. He brought me total and complete peace just in that very moment, and it was as if God was speaking to me directly and assuring me that my brother was with him and that this was his plan for him. Verses 16 through 19 say, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into spacious places. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And I know, again, this passage may not ever have the same meaning for the rest of you, but God wants to minister to you in the same way in whatever struggle that you're going through. And I read this passage often when I think of my brother, and every time it reminds me just how close God is to us and how much he loves us. And um, I'm comforted by it every time. You know, not long after this happened, I was still struggling. It was a couple months later, and I remember calling a close friend to ask for her prayers. Um, I could barely say anything on the phone except, I need your help, and I need you to pray for me. And the next day I saw her in church, and I'll never forget this. She walked over to me and just, gave me a big hug, and um, she didn't say very much. She just smiled at me and held onto my hands, and she pressed into the palm of my hand a piece of paper, and on it she had scribbled the words to Psalm 34. And they begin with wonderful words of praise, but they also include these words of encouragement. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, she'll probably never know how much that meant to me. I I have carried that piece of paper around forever, and it it continues to comfort me today. Well, of all the psalms that have been an encouragement to us, and I know we've, we've talked about many different ones this morning, but Psalm 51 that we chose as our theme psalm this morning, that one really probably means the most to me. I think it stands out to me because it so often has been, as Brad referred to it earlier, as a cry of my heart in different circumstances. And... Verses 10 through 12 in particular that have been our focus this morning have become a regular prayer for me over the years. I first learned these verses about 25 years ago, and I was a young Christian, and I was asked to sing this simple chorus at a friend's wedding. And at the time, I didn't even know it was part of the psalm. Um, But I thought it was such a beautiful prayer, and it really seemed to express some of the longing in my own heart. It wasn't until a lot later that I learned that it was part, part of Psalm 51. Well, as I've meditated more on David's approach to the entire psalm, I've found myself longing for the same type of relationship with the Lord, and I'm so thankful that God has used this to draw me closer to him. 
the psalm is deep and rich, and there's a lot more there than we have time to share this morning. Um, so I encourage you to go and, and look more at it yourself later. But I tried to sort of summarize all the things in this passage that I think we can apply as we seek to deepen our relationship with the Lord. For example, in verse 1, what a wonderful way to begin a conversation with God. David first acknowledges that he is in need of God's mercy and then immediately gives honor to God by naming his attributes of love and compassion. And then looking at verse 4, he pours out his heart honestly and openly about the sin he has committed and even recognizes that though he certainly hurt others in the process, ultimately his sin is against God and God alone. And this obviously grieves him deeply. How important it is for us to face the fact that when we make bad choices, the one we're really offending is God. And if we are in true loving relationship with the Lord, you know, I think this would grieve us deeply too. Then again in verse 8, David has an urgency and an expectancy about his approach to God, and he tells God what he hopes for. Verse 10 through 12, this prayer that we've been referring to, David trusts God to hear his cry, and he feels confident enough in their relationship to ask for forgiveness, cleansing, and renewal in the same breath. It seems to me that the reason he's so passionate about his prayer is because the depth of his prayer is equal to the depth of the sorrow that he feels over the sin that he has committed against God. In verse 13 through 14, he then promises to praise God and that he will give testimony to God's goodness and that he knows that this in turn will result in turning others' hearts to God as well. And you know, I don't think David was bargaining with God at this point. I think he truly looked forward to the opportunity to praise God for his goodness. And he knew that this would cause cause others to respond to him as well. Then in verse 17, he humbles himself before God and acknowledges that God doesn't want sacrifice from him. He just wants a broken spirit and a truly repentant heart. Verse 18, I think, is really beautiful. And I'd never even really observed this before. But here you can see that David, as he acknowledges Zion, knows that his sin has affected those around him. So he includes them in his prayer. I think this really speaks to our responsibility to our brothers and sisters in Christ here as well, the importance of praying for those around us who might have been hurt by the bad choices that we have made. Maybe you go through this too, um, but I love the Lord so much, and I desire to be in close communion with him so much so that when I sin, I feel the same kind of sorrow that David is feeling here. It may not be for the same kind of sin that David has committed, but it could be just anything. It could be an attitude problem or the type of resentment that you might be harboring in your heart or bitterness or unforgiveness, whatever it is. All sin, we know, causes separation between us and God. And just like David, I want to humble myself before God and plead with him to restore and renew my spirit. But the great news is that just like David... We can approach God confidently, knowing that because of his great love for us and his mercy and his grace, he's already made a provision for us for that renewal that we're seeking through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As it says in Romans 5.8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, as a, a follow-up to Psalm 51, this was, this was David's confession, his, his prayer for mercy. Read Psalm 32. I know it doesn't sound like it's in the right order, but it really is the follow-up to Psalm 51. So do that this week. Uh, Take Psalm 51, take Psalm 32 side by side, and you'll really get a flavor for what the Psalms are all about. Well, in closing, 
Are you in need of encouragement today? Is anybody in here struggling? I mean, if you have a pulse in here, you're going to have struggles in your life. If you haven't had some already, get ready. You're going to have some. Are you trying to speak to God in a language that's more open, honest, and intimate? Are you thankful and and joyful and, and filled with praise in your heart for all the things God is doing in your life? Well, do like God's people, Jews and Christians alike, have been doing for thousands of years. Turn to this book of Psalms. Because God really can minister to us there. Well, we're going to close in prayer here in just a second. But I want to remind you that we have a great prayer ministry here. And Pastor George is up here in front. If anybody is in need of some prayer, just right after the service, just come on up. We have people who will want to, uh, that will lead you through prayer. These people know how to pray, right? So let's do this. Let's all close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful you're with us today. Father, our prayer is create in us a pure heart and restore that steadfast spirit within us. Father, thank you for what you teach us through this book of Psalms. Thanks for protecting us, protecting our church and the churches around the world with your great hymns of faith. Father, we're most thankful for what you did on the cross for us, uh, the sacrifice that you made. Uh, the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. All of our works are nothing in your eyes. They're filthy rags. But we have Christ's blood to cleanse us. And we're so thankful that he died to save us from that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.